What's up, y'all? How you doing? My name is Dre, and this is the Painted Lion Skull Edition. Now, in this episode, I will be dissecting what went well and what went wrong in Sunday's game versus the Seahawks. Now, I'm going to go over the good things first because... You know I like my dessert first. Penalties are staying down. Now, in the opening game versus Cincinnati, Vikings had a total of 12 penalties. Last week, we only had three, and this week, we only had four for only 40 yards. But it really should have only been two. One was Everson Griffin getting a so-called roughing the passer for barely touching Wilson because later on, they had the same thing and no flag was thrown. I'm honestly fine with the call if they're consistent, but they weren't. The other not really penalty was when the Vikings purposely took a delay of game before punting in the closing seconds of the game. Otherwise, there was only one offensive line penalty with Bradbury holding, and then special teamer Josh Metellus was flagged for holding on a punt return. Holding honestly happens on each play. It's pretty much who can disguise it better and not get caught at this point. So honestly, this was a great game for the team when it comes to penalties as we were able to really keep the number of penalties down. The next really good thing about this game was Alex Madison. So let's be honest here. He is not Dalvin Cook. Dalvin is the workhorse of this team, but we got a hell of a backup in Madison. His running style is very similar, but he just isn't as fast and as elusive. And this isn't a slight to Madison at all because he can ball as well as he did on Sunday after touching the ball 26 times. While similarly to Cook at last week, he didn't reach Pater. He ended up finishing with 112 rushing yards on 26 carries in addition to catching six passes for 59 yards. Now those 112 rushing yards ties him with his career high from 2020 when he rushed the same amount against the exact same team. Unfortunately the Vikings lost that one which did hurt a little bit. Now the next positive thing to come from this game is all types of receivers are looking really good and additionally to Madison's six passes for 59 yards everyone was looking really really good. Jefferson got nine receptions for a buck 18 and one touchdown. Thielen got six receptions for 50 yards and one touchdown. Tight end Tyler Conklin got seven receptions for 70 yards and one touchdown. And then prior to week standout, KJ Osborne got two receptions for 26 yards. Now this really shows how dangerous this team can be. Not only do we have arguably the best duo in the league right now with Thielen and Jefferson, we also have a tight end who can produce decently along with a third receiver who is very dangerous if he's open. Going forward, defenses are really gonna have to be on the top of their game covering this team. The Seahawks may have prevented Osborne from going off like he did the past two weeks, but this allowed others to shine instead. And there aren't a lot of defenses that can cover everyone this efficiently in this league. Maybe the Rams with Ramsey, but even then I'm not 100% sure and we'll see come December 26th. The fourth good thing to come out of this game was Kirk playing at an MVP level. Now he's been playing amazingly well and even I am honestly fairly amazed by this. So far this season he has thrown 88 completions out of 119 passes or a little under a thousand yards with 7.7 yards per attempt eight touchdowns 
zero interceptions and an average QB rating of 118.3. Now in this game versus Seahawks, he led the Vikings to three first half touchdowns, 30 overall points, and a 128.4 quarterback rating. And this was without Cook in the backfield. Now last week versus the Cardinals, he led the team 58 yards in the final two minutes to set up the game winning field goal, even though we ended up not getting it. And then in week one, not only did he leave a drive with no timeouts in the final few minutes of the game to force overtime, he also was moving the team down the field before the so-called fumble. No matter the one and two record, Kirk is playing absolutely lights out. And frankly, this is what we would have wanted from the beginning from him. I'm still not sure if the 84 guaranteed million dollars and then the 66 million dollar extension is still worth it over the course of his career in Minnesota because it hasn't produced this well over the past three years and maybe this is toward the end so he's trying to produce more. I'm not really sure. Either way, if this is where it's going, it's definitely down the right direction. Is it enough to convince me to want him back after the extension's up? Not sure yet. I mean, it makes sense though that he is doing extremely well. One thing that obviously a quarterback needs is a good offensive line and for some good reason, the offensive line woke up after week one and this is without Christian Derisog playing. And if Kirk keeps playing at this level and the Vikings keep winning, Kirk may be in the MVP race. Yes, you obviously have the other quarterbacks with Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, etc. But Kirk is playing well enough right now to be up there with Matthew Stafford as well, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Murray, and Josh Allen. I only say quarterbacks because let's be honest here, there's only been 18 non-quarterback MVPs and the last one was Adrian Peterson in 2012. And as much that I do think that non-QBs should win this award, statistically it ain't happening. It took Adrian Peterson tearing his ACL and coming nine yards short of breaking Eric Dickerson's record to get his award. That's a monster of a season. And even when a player last year breaks an 18-year-old record versus a quarterback breaking a two-year-old record, the quarterback wins the award. Justin Herbert touched the ball 600 times, whereas Justin Jefferson touched the ball 88 times and was able to break an 18-year-old record. Justin Herbert touched the ball almost six times more and broke a two-year record. I don't understand why he got the award. Aside from when it comes to awards, unfortunately, this is a quarterback league and they get awards even when they shouldn't. Anyway, Kirk is playing well enough to at least be considered, and if he continues playing this way, he may be up for it in the top five players. And looking at some of the tape here, you see both Hill and Abdullah really whiff on the production, and Cousins still hits a crossing route while backpedaling very accurately. And so far this year, he's only been pressured 27% of the time, which is seventh best in the NFL out of the 35 QBs. And this is frankly due to good scheming and also being able to react quickly and throw rapidly but it does help that the Vikings also have the 16th best team of a pass blocking grade because honestly when it comes to Kirk and the offense they're carrying the team right now because the defense isn't at the top tier mostly due to the secondary and this is somewhat of a positive and also one of the negative things so I'll first talk about the good things now in the second half the defense held the Seattle to zero points and only allowed 81 yards and that is really great and respect is due to the Vikings for being able to keep Wilson in check his longest completion Sunday was 39 yards and they were really able to prevent Wilson from getting deep pass completions Though the last one from Hitman definitely got the interception and honestly was defensive pass interference, though 
the Vikings have been screwed before when it comes to defensive pass interference, and the interception is the worst up outcome on a fourth down pass. Overall, though, the defense was able to hold Seattle to 404 total yards, and honestly, 17 points, which is just two touchdowns and one field goal for the entire game, is a good statistic. Defense was able to keep Wilson in check. He only left the pocket seven times and was really only successful once, and that was on the first play of the game to Metcalf. After that, he went zero for three passing and then ran three times for two, one, and four yards. And the Vikings were able to sack Wilson twice for 15 yards and keep them three for eight on third down conversions. Other than that one 30-yard touchdown run, the defense even held Carson and the rest of the running game to under 70 yards. So the defense played fairly decently, even though some of the numbers weren't as high as they were in other weeks. Now, having said that, give me the damn veggies. In the first half, they allowed the Seahawks to score 17 points. The drives were pretty quick, and unfortunately, Breland again was the culprit. And one of the passes came on the touchdown to Metcalf, and he was playing extremely far off. I still don't know why Cameron Dantzler isn't starting over him. He obviously had a very good rookie year, and there's got to be something going on in the back end because after the game, he tweeted, and then that tweet was deleted, and now that deleted tweet has Zimmer even saying, it will be talked to, yes. I'm not sure what's going on there, and hopefully it can be worked out because he is a really good DB, and I really want him to start over Breland because clearly he is not doing well, and we need to really have a different defender there because Breland is becoming a liability, and anyone can't be worse than this. This guy is legitimately the worst DB in the entire league. Yes, he's getting better over time, but that doesn't say much when you're at the bottom. Just by being second worst is an improvement here. He's been targeted so many times that it's getting really ridiculous at this point and if we don't want Dantzler to play for the Vikings anymore we need to trade him and get another one I'm not really sure here we just need another DB other than Breland because frankly he's not producing though he wasn't the only player not playing great in the first half the Metcalf touchdown was a culmination of a nine play 75 yard drive which include Metcalf leaving Peterson in the dust with some good footwork then later in the half the Seahawks did a six play 76 yard drive with Carson running completely untouched for the touchdown. And I absolutely mean no one got near him. It's actually pretty sad. Overall, the pass defense allowed almost 300 yards from Wilson and his receivers with Metcalf himself getting 107 yards on only six receptions. But again, the defense did wake up in the second half and were able to keep Wilson and the rest of the Seattle offense in check. And I'll always take a W over any slight weakness. And yes, the second half does matter more than the first. However, we should still be playing at a high level in each half, not just the second. So going into next week versus the Browns, I'm even more hyped up because looking back at the past three weeks, if Dalvin Hook had been correctly called down and Craig Joseph had made his chip shot, the Vikings would be 3-0 and Kirk would also be near or at the top of the MVP conversation after leading the team to, to come from behind victories and then pretty much doing what he wanted with the Seahawks. Now, even though the actual one does start in September, Kirktoberfest officially starts this week. And if a shoe is involved, that means business. This game really had some really great play calling by Clint Kubiak, and it was equally executed by Cousins. I got three words for you. You like that? The Vikings are arguably the best overall team in the NFC North, and frankly should be. 
Now going forward, our schedule does ease up a little bit, but the Vikings can't. Yes, there are two more home games in a row, but we have to keep this gameplay at a high level. Anyway, let us know in the comment section what your thoughts are on the game and subscribe for more of the Painted Lines, Skull Edition, and you can follow me on Twitter at Skull Edition and at Painted Lines. Look out coming later this week for the preview for week four and the reaction coming next week. Until then, Skull, let's go Vikings.